0: The Stock Talk Podcast, where topics are covered and questions are answered across all parts of the show stock industry. Get ready to learn and laugh with your hosts, Trevor Kirkpatrick and Corey Edge.
1: Here we, we didn't are. go anywhere.
0: Yeah, we're still here. Uh, not on YouTube this time. We uh, that Since we were both in the same room, and as you know, every 10 episodes it was just us, we decided, you know what, let's pop that one on YouTube. But, I'll run. This time uh, is uh, on, like it is usually on the Zoom call, with uh, Brandon Ogle, you're going to hear from pretty soon. But before we get that far, we need to tell you about some cyber stock shows going on at nowhere else than Walton Webcasting. From where? Walton, Wal- Indiana! Indiana! Uh, but they're still cranking them out, guys. Uh, Don't forget to send in your videos. Walton Webcasting, not only are they doing the cyber stock shows, but they are also the place where you can see shows from many, many years past. I frequent those uh, archives. If you can't access them, it's easy. All you got to do is pay a very small monthly subscription at waltonwebcasting.com. Go to the archive section, and you can see every single show that they've been at. Waltonwebcasting.com.
1: You know what else you're going to be able to watch on Walton webcasting is uh, Kennedy Ventures uh, is hosting the exchange again. Oh, this year, yes. As usual. Uh, and Blake did announce on his Facebook live that uh, there's going to be quite the production uh, from Walton webcasting there and uh, going over the lots, interviewing breeders. It's going to be um, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be awesome.
0: Which you may hear more from them in the very near future.
1: You may. You may. A little uh, Easter egg, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah, totally, totally with you. Um, you know, Trevor, something else I was thinking about too is um you know my uh, I missed I missed out on an opportunity on my wife's birthday. And anybody that saw my Facebook post for it um probably knows um that I got Stone of the Rue to uh sing sing our first dance song to Taylor for her birthday. But what i could have done not should have but what i could have done uh, in addition to is i should have gone on com and purchased a print
2: um, oh, you because don't
1: say. she is moving offices and, and needs a, a new wall decoration there ah but uh, you know that that heidi anderson she uh turns out she knows what to do with a camera
0: yeah she's pretty slick her and her team. I bet they are ready to jump back in the, uh, the good old fashioned ring.
1: Yes, I'm sure they are. Um, incredible ring shop photography, incredible senior pictures, wedding. Yes. Pictures.
0: I saw a couple on their Facebook page.
1: Actually. Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, maybe you got a sale catalog that you got to get put together here this fall. Um, whatever it is,
0: reach out to legacy livestock imaging. Speaking because. of sale catalog, uh, quick segue yeah. here. Uh, been on uh, showpig.com, and and uh, actually this week I saw a bunch of familiar names. Got some baby pig sales still happening. As we know, bred gilt sales are coming up, along mm-hmm. with uh, show cattle connection. I mean, both of those sites right now are clicking on all cylinders. You would think we're kind of at a lull and in, in between times. Uh, no. Hey, for you steer traders out there, go. I mean, this is you
1: know it. I'm I, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but I'm just saying. Don't forget that show cattle connection. Uh, you know, if you want to buy those prospect steers, get them ready for your fall sales. Come on.
2: Yeah.
0: No kidding. Now it's time for our first segment of the episode. We call hats off. Still don't have a jingle yet. I'm sorry, but somebody send us one. Yeah. We we need a jingle. Uh, it's gotta be original. Can't be royalty. On Surely
1: it. one of you out there, is musically inclined enough to make a jingle for this. I would surely
0: think. Or yeah, just hats off, you know, whatever. Or it could just be a rap. Maybe whatever hats off. Get creative folks. Corey, who's your hat go off to this week? Well, first
1: and foremost, my hat goes off to fierce threads Mm -hmm. for sponsoring this segment. Big Paul lifestyle company. Check them out. Uh, New things coming almost weekly. Not really uh weekly but uh they are very innovative and on the forefront of screen printing, embroidery and all your needs. I mean, we got we got a lot more done there than just our screen printing and embroidery. Uh-huh. I mean, we got pop-up banners done, we got all kinds of stuff. So, check them out fierce com. Push your order today or tomorrow. Tell them that you heard it or tomorrow. Should have done it yesterday. <laughs> but That is what it is. Um, This week, my hat goes off to you, overly prepared show dad, with your extra pair of shoes, your
0: three shirts that you bring on show week. Probably New Balances, if I had to guess. Yeah. Grass-stained, white. You're, you know,
1: you're the guy... That brings enough feed for an entire barn, not not just the pigs you brought. You're the guy that has three extra extension cords, just in case. You're the guy that has not one, not two, but three sets of crocs, depending on your mood. Probably camouflage? Probably, probably some stylish Crocs, you know, on show day, and then you, and then you probably got yourself a nice loungy pair of Crocs for when you go hit up the hotel pool with all your show dad friends.
0: So my hat goes off to you, overly prepared, show dad. Sounds like he's very prepared. Yep. All right. Well, we're uh, we're both definitely going the comedic route. I feel like uh, past couple weeks I've been um, pretty serious when my hats off. Who my hat goes off to. This week, it's not a person. It's a thing that I've become addicted to during quarantine that is now gradually lifting. My hat goes off to Facebook Marketplace. Oh. Because I found an item on here, and I can't say it too loud because I'm not sure where my fiancé's at. But I'm excited about it, them it because it's a great summer activity and Mm. not to mention the all of the other things on facebook marketplace that i'm like oh i don't need it but i'm gonna look and see what it is anyway uh facebook So, so facebook marketplace is
1: your version of target
0: oh yeah i mean i give emily all kinds of crap all the time about target but little does she know i'm flipping through Facebook Marketplace all the time, and I know if she had Facebook, she would definitely be doing it also. Uh, but yeah, my hat definitely goes off to Facebook Marketplace. Uh, I should also mention all the things that come from Facebook Marketplace. Now you've got to do your research. You got to look at who's selling it. Uh, they have like you know a re- reliability uh, section. Uh, you can give them stars and reviews. Anyways, I've got my zero turn mower from Facebook Marketplace. I got some tools from Facebook Marketplace. I mean, it can be a good deal. You just got to do it smart. And And for those of you just new at it, go in a public place. Well lit when you're trading out your.
1: I was going to say it does take a little bit more effort uh, to purchase through Facebook Marketplace than it does Amazon or anything like that. Just because, you know, background checks are typically not part of (laughs) an Amazon purchase. That's true.
0: But, see, when I get yeah. I get a little cheap sometimes, and I'm like, oh, let's see what... It's kind of like a scavenger hunt. You get a little excited. You're like, well, what kind of deals are on here today?
2: Oh, yeah.
0: Um, You know, you got to do your research, though. I've been a seller. I, I sold some stuff on Facebook Marketplace. Made out like a fat cat sometimes. So, interesting hats off this time. Thank you, Fierce Threads, for sponsoring this comedic part of uh, hats off. Well... I uh, know I'm going to let you do your thing, but uh, we go way back. There was an untold story that was not on air that I'm glad was not on air uh, that uh, (laughs) Mr. Ogle judged uh, my uh, county fair the very first year I ever showed pigs at Fayette County, Ohio. And it's quite an embarrassing story. He asked me my favorite part about showing livestock and it had nothing to do with pigs. I'll leave it at that because I'm pretty sure I told this story on an earlier episode. But anyways, it's rabbits. (laughs) What a deal, but good stuff. Let's hit him with it, Corey. All right. Coming up here
1: on the show. Finally, uh, you guys heard him at our Indiana State Fair Sunday selection, Sunday episode. Uh, A guy that is no stranger to the show pig industry. And those of you that have seen or bought any, of his guilts, bears, boars, you name it. He's got a couple sheep in his barn now, I've been told. Very excited to hear that. But I'd like you folks to welcome to the show, first-time caller, not a first-time guest, though, Mr. Brandon
2: Ogle.
0: Well, Brandon, thanks for joining us. I know uh we've talked way back and uh when you judged the Indiana State Fair, we promised to get you back on and what better time than now. So, thanks for joining us, man. We appreciate taking time out of your busy schedule. But just to get started here, just give us a little bit of background, kind of where you come from and what you do on a day-to-day basis.
3: Well, first off, guys, thanks for having me. Uh long-time listener, uh first-time caller. But uh <laughs> I am I am residing at the farm is here in Tacoma, Illinois and uh I am a full-time show pig producer and also uh work with uh, Crossroads Genetics there with Adam and and Jason on some more selection and and advertising and and just kind of consult with those guys and that's something I also enjoy a great deal and I guess it's it's kind of 24/7 show pigs here
0: Hey, that's a life uh, to live right I, there. Show me your ways.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's, da- there's days I'd trade you for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I, I, and I grew up, I got to give a shout out. I lived, I, I grew up and lived in a small town called Strasburg and, and I lived there until, uh, for about 31, 32 years of my life. I moved over here eight years ago and, um uh, uh, bought this farm and, uh, Uh, but uh, I grew up there for for a town of 750 people, Shelby County. Um, Still have a lot of ties and and that's where my family is, Um, but it's only about 45 minutes to an hour away. I just moved a little west and kind of came over here and and started doing things on my own and uh, started out with a real blank slate. I mean, there was nothing on this property. There's about 50 acres of tillable ground and then there was just a machine shed here when we started and, and, a, and a lot of, a uh, lot of work to do. Uh, it feels like we're still doing projects here every year, every spring, uh, updating things and, and just trying to make things look nicer or, or work easier. One of the two.
1: That is the, the benefit and the, uh, the cons of having a clean slate to build your own stuff. And, uh, I know when, when we moved, uh, the first time when we were moving sheep around, I mean, we had we had a barn, just a shell of a barn, completely empty, and you know, to figure out how you're gonna set everything up is like it could be a pain in the butt, but at the same time, it's kind of a blessing because then you don't have to work around somebody else's terrible ideas.
3: <laughs> right, and then you learn that some of your ideas maybe weren't as good as you thought they were at the time. <laughs> right. um, but for the most part, though, when you know we. Raising show pigs there for the first, I don't know, roughly nine, 10 years before I came here, um, with the facilities and stuff that I started with, I have lots of time that to dream up how I wanted things. So for the most part, things are, are pretty nice because they were labor intensive at times and pretty basic when I first started.
0: So how many head of sows are you running over there?
3: There are, and that's after some hard calls here this spring, um. Um, sows and gilts. I, I counted the other day. I don't like to count, I don't count often because sometimes it can become depressing. But uh, <laughs> there's only I was proud there's only 82.
2: Oh, um, not bad.
3: Uh, 82 sows and one heat checker. So I, I that's where I'm at right now.
2: That's
1: uh, not a bad place to be now in in your state. Uh, I say your state because I moved out of it. Um, <laughs> In your state, you guys, from a from a show pig breeder standpoint, that kind of western side of the state is, you know, up and down, clear south to north is kind of a livestock hub. Uh, what's it like trying to compete with those guys? All the like, all, I mean, it's just all the time. I feel like.
3: Yeah it it is, um, and it's something at first when you're younger you don't appreciate it maybe take it more as just strictly competition um but now you know it, it's kind of nice too that some of us we can we can share traffic now um you can send out a text on a on a saturday or sunday and say hey do you have two doses of this breed and you you'll probably 75 percent of the time you'll find it <laughs> um just have to do a little driving and uh, but it is at the same time though it's extremely competitive i mean it's without a doubt i mean um, you think about just from like the Duroc side of things. I like to use as an example, you know, uh, Blaine, Blaine Olson's an hour away. Byers isn't far away. Um, uh, David Amon's not far away. So, I mean, there's, that's just a few and I'm sure I'm missing some, but you know, it's, it's very competitive, but at the same time, I still think that that's kind of what makes us go. And I think that's what's made, uh things here and the quality, you know, at, at the state level and at the national level, uh, Illinois is very, very well represented. Oh yeah. And, and a lot yeah, of it's yeah. because like that generation of mine, you know, like I'm talking late thirties, early forties, their kids are showing, Yeah, a lot, you know, these breeders and stuff that you're talking about in this hub, their kids are showing now and we've all seen that coming. And when you have that with the existing families, it, it is very, very good.
0: You know, that's been kind of fun to watch too, is uh, some of those, uh, what I would, when I grew up in my show career as just breeders that did not have kids at all, and then you kind of watch them come up and compete with kids, uh, that's a neat transition because things, uh, the perspective kind of changes. I mean, I can't speak from experience, but just from the outside looking in, uh, that's kind of a neat transition of, you know, you got to sell them, make your living, and you have to keep your kid happy. (laughs)
3: Yeah, and, and that becomes challenging. Um, this, this spring was the first time, and I mean, I hate to say it like this. I mean, I guess we picked a good year to stop um, uh, for ourselves. I mean, I don't have a barn full of show guilds like I normally do. Um, and, and, but I've got a bunch of customers to worry about and take care of. But, uh, you know, when we announced that, uh, you know, we weren't going to show this summer, uh, back uh, last fall and this winter, and before we sold this spring. Uh, it sure affects. It sure affected our sale. I mean, that's just the truth of it. I mean, I, I mean, there's there's a couple families that you know may have picked and choose the bear a here or there, and knew they were going to show against us three or four times, and 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 you know that that seven fifty thousand dollars they spent with me turned into five thousand, and then and that was in a couple instances, and that that. Makes my sale go well, and I tell you what, this was—you could ask my sale crew or anybody that's around me. You usually, couldn't fit a pin needle at my rear end the week of my sale. <laughs> and, and, and with and with time, I've become less grumpy. I've, I've just gotten better. Good, I've gotten better at hiding and not talking. Like I'll disappear, and I've gotten pretty good at that. But not having to think, like you guys were just saying, how can I? make a living, make money, put good products out there that, that people want to talk about and come and you know buy, and at the same time, keep a couple, three out of this group that I want to walk out and look at every day. And right. that, not having that headache of being able to tell people, everything's out here, guys. It's out here. Nothing, anything that I keep... Uh, if I keep something, I'll, I'll buy it back out of here and I'm not going to sit here and run you, but you know, I'm going to sit here and watch a couple and make sure they they're not going to slide through the cracks that I like. And then, you know, we've got another 25, 30 litters in this mid to late Jan group that I can sort through for, for prospects mm. prospects. Yep. And it yep. made, it made the week of my sale, my sale go a lot smoother.
0: So do you think you'll start buying, buying your livestock, your, uh, your other ones now, or do you think this, this year taking this year off will change how you maneuver that? Or is you just going to kind of go back to where, where you were last year?
3: Well, the biggest reason that we quit, uh, or not quit or stopped showing is, is my niece with Illinois rules. We switched there a few years ago where you can show up to your 21. I'm lukewarm on the idea. I'd rather bring it down than, than have raised it, but it's okay. Whatever. Um, I don't think it's something that, you know, puts a burr, burr up me or anything or not nothing I want to fight against. But, uh, you know, my niece is getting ready to transfer. You know, she's, she just graduated from Lincoln Land. She's going to transfer to Purdue, and she's got that stuff going on. And, and my cousin that showed is finishing up her freshman year, and she's a college athlete playing softball. It's just too – you know what I mean? It's just too much. I know what's going to happen is – I'm not going to get a red shirt year of 4-H in about the third day because I'm obsessive compulsive on on, once we start working them and walking them and rinsing them. Once we start, we don't stop. And the only my contribution is is just feeding. And about the third time that I have to go out there and walk pigs or rinse pigs, I'm going to start getting crabby. And then I'm going to start getting crabby with teenage girls that are going to get crabby back to me. <laughs> so, you know, we're just not not a recipe it.
1: for success there. But
3: no, there's that that that's been an adjustment in its own right. I, I dealing with these these girls has been a little bit of an eye opening experience <laughs> for me. I've had to learn some patience and change my approach. The, the the Bobby Knight approach that I can use with the boys don't work so well with the girls. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that is one thing you know, like growing up in Indiana and then being over in Illinois. The one thing I thought was interesting is when they did change the junior show age to 21. And in some respects, I was a little jealous uh, because if you think about, you know, showing on a national scale, everybody gets to show uh, until they're 21 at most Most of the junior shows. And so I thought it was kind of an interesting move. Uh, one that, I mean, I'm kind of like you, it didn't really rub me. One way or the other, I would say, you know, as a junior exhibitor, you probably love it uh, just to be able to show a little bit longer. But that is an interesting concept that uh, I, I don't think a whole lot of states have really kind of adapted to, especially on the junior show side of things. But kind of cool you brought
3: well, that my, up. My thought as devil's advocate on that deal is, is, you know, they don't want to they a lot of people don't realize that a lot of these kids start really young and that's fine. As soon as they're comfortable or ready to go and the parents think so, go for it. But they're worried about from a like a ring safety and safety thing and that letting an eight year old in there. Well, my thought is, is an eight year old can spend way more time with their project than than a kid that's in college. Right. Good Lord, they're not home, you know, and it's not that they can't. They're just not home and I and I'm not going to apply for my my halo but I don't know how good of an idea it is at the Illinois State Ferry. if you guys have been there you can walk out of the ring and walk about 50 yards and go have you a beer it's beer <laughs> right <Rime>. <laughs> I, I don't know there's just part of that that's weird whatever I mean again, or or now, send or, a
1: or, or send a pig down two flights of stairs
3: <laughs> Yeah yeah that too
1: That is a uh, the the ring setup you know, never going to the Illinois State Fair as a kid. Just going, you know, in junior college and stuff like that. Uh, you know, that was something that I thought was kind of cool about the Illinois State Fair. I don't know if I thought it was cool or not. It, uh, maybe more so interesting. But you know, the the double two levels of you're showing showing cattle up, upstairs, and you know they're downstairs. I got to take Over, a ramp to get yeah. up to the show ring. And, Over
3: in the in the junior building where the 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 gilts are upstairs, and the cattle yes. are down. Yeah yep yeah that's cool Corey. until you feel that rush of adrenaline that your hog may go down them steps
1: yeah or or the the,
3: i've never seen it but last year of all people we tested the boundaries real close one time last year uh
1: i I remember uh it was it was crossbred guilt day and i had been i had been there and somebody had just completely just lost a guilt uh was me myself and somebody else she i mean she was Pretty confident that she was going to go down there and lay down with the heifers uh, in, in the basement and trying to pop one of those gates open. So we shuffled her into the wash rack, which is also probably not the safest entry and exit point for a show. Uh, well with that little there,
3: you thing, go. Though. You're you're hitting my nail. There's my there's <laughs> Ogle's number one state fair pet peeve. I'm gonna sneak in there. I've been threatening to sneak in there in the winter with a jackhammer and a and a sledgehammer and knock that concrete lip out of, those, out of that wash rack because that's what spooks them. And then what happens when they get spooked? Oh, you conveniently got a set of stairs on each side. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you don't want to step over the six, eight-inch lip of concrete. So what do you do? Back up, look to your left, look to your right. Oh, we got flights of stairs to go down.
1: Right. I, I really hope that uh, the folks listening that aren't from Illinois <laughs> – you gotta you just gotta go to the junior, <laughs> the, the junior guilt bar yeah, I don't know
3: why People are time. gonna die laughing at this and everybody else gonna be like, What in the hell are they <laughs> Right.
1: Uh shoot. Well, speaking of uh, of state fairs and judging and all that kind of stuff, um maybe give us a little background too, kinda kinda how you grew up in this thing, uh and, and what made you excited to start being a show pig producer full time.
3: Well, this is this is might be some of the the few uh, entertaining parts to listen to me on a podcast because there are some fun facts about me that people don't know, and one of them is is I never showed a pig in 4-H. I never showed a pig. Huh. Uh, Showed sheep.
2: Showed sheep. And and,
3: and, and, and mainly, well, this is where I'm going to lose you. Mainly breeding sheep okay <laughs> and uh <laughs> yeah did you hear that awkward pause trevor <laughs> yeah oh
0: i i got it
3: i didn't i don't think i gained a lot of street cred there um <laughs> but it, part of it is though where i grew up were two of the legitimate best breeding sheep guys in the country and they each lived within 10 miles of me and uh, uh daryl rinker who, who's no longer with us that and his son uh uh continues to do it they have some of the best chiviot sheep in in the in the country and have had that for probably 20 or 30 years and then uh the other direction was greg smith and and they had good monadales and oxford and dorset sheep and suffolk and uh now i know i think uh, kind of they've focused more a little bit more on the suffolk thing there now than what they used to um but uh that is, that is where, where I kind of got into the livestock world. I didn't join 4-H until I was a sophomore in high school. And that was only after I went with uh, one of them families to the state fair because growing up, uh, one of those rinker boys were, was my, my best friend in high school and just invited me as a friend, you know, to go with them and stay at state fair. And I absolutely loved it. I loved it. And, and I liked watching them. I liked the sheep. And then, uh, after that it turned into working for, uh, those guys, those two families for an entire summer. And then it turned into my last two years of, of doing it on totally on my own. Huh. And, uh, that, that was, uh, a learning experience. And, and everybody again from Illinois and even people that aren't from Illinois, I mean, the County fair circuit, that's what we did. I mean, we, we started in, in mid to late June and we, we finished Labor Day weekend at the coin and we showed cheap 14 or 16 times. I mean, it was just at different County fairs and state fair and it was a lot of fun. And, and that's what got me started on that. And that's kind of what got me. I started talking about judging had, had some friends that I met. And they had, four good kids on their county team and, and they struggled with getting the fifth and they convinced me to, to join that. So I, I never marked a card until I was a junior in high school. Um, and that was just cause my buddies kind of peer pressured me. Into doing it. <laughs> and, uh, I, I enjoyed it and we were very fortunate to have a very, very good County coach and that would be Kurt Rinker that was division chair at Lakeland for years and, and was the judging coach there before John Alltowns was. And he, he was our, our county judging coach. And and you know what, deep down, I mean, and, and Kurt was still teaching at Lakeland. Um, my mailbox and my phone was not overrun with the recruiting calls. Um, it, it's probably because Kurt told Alltowns that, you know, this kid can place him. Uh, he's got a long ways to go talking to him. But I had a little bit of public speaking background from being a section FFA officer and stuff, and, and that's kind of what All Towns told me on my recruiting visit. And I told him, I said, John, I, I don't know reasons. And he said, that's not an all bad thing. Don't worry about that. I'll teach you. And,
2: mm-hmm. and that's kind of
3: how it all shook out. But after we got to Lakeland, that's when I grew up, and I'm kind of bouncing around, but I grew up on a small, atypical small farm that are very few and far between now. And we had, my dad ran 50, 60, maybe sometimes a hundred commercial sales. That's how I grew up. That's the, I grew up around pigs. Yep. And I tacked along with my dad and I knew the, I knew the basics and what some people would say is the most important things. You know, I knew, what it meant to be a good mother, you know, raise pigs, breed, wean them, wean them heavy. I, I followed along. I knew how to process stuff and, you know, things like that. But there was never any sort of influence on, on show pigs ever at all. And it, again, and that was just growing up. But in a typical fashion that you hear a lot there in the late 90s, you know, that was the end of it. And there was nothing, there was no livestock on that little farm. And that's when we, my dad got us some sheep and we each, we each got one ewe, you and me and my two siblings. And that, that's how my livestock career started, I guess.
0: With sheep,
1: (laughs) with sheep. Well, um,
3: Oh no, no. You'd be equally ashamed of these. I don't know where he got these but he bought these as like bottle lambs and they are like speckle face crossbreds. I have no idea.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Well, it it is cool. And I want to come
1: a long way. So I, I, you know, like, uh, like they say, you start, everybody starts somewhere, which, uh, which we've learned quite a bit actually with this podcast. So you're not the only one. Um, that's for sure. So, uh, so post, Post-Lakeland, um, what was life like? And then, you know, because you had to get bit by the show pig bug uh, at some point.
3: At Lakeland, because of my judging team,
1: okay.
2: uh,
3: my, my teammates. And we had a lot of pig guys on there. And uh, I remember, guys, the first time I opened a seed stock edge, and I it was like uh opening a, a, a bodybuilder magazine or something. I'd never seen pigs like that. <laughs> and, and as I continued to judge more, you know, I was seeing good stock and better hogs and especially as we got to Lakeland. But, you know, besides traveling at Lakeland and get to go to places and good farms and stuff like that and see quality quality pigs and then seeing like the stuff at the national level in in the seed stock edge. Um, kind of what first piqued my interest. And then, uh, what two things put the dagger in, in my, my sheep dreams. Uh, and they're both kind of, one's weird and, and one's just kind of coincidence. When I was leaving Lakeland and decided to go to Michigan state, there was not an opening at the sheep farm. You know, some of the judging kids and out of state kids, cause tuition, in Michigan state out of state's not cheap. So they they kind of try to get us some of them guys, and they get us to work on the farm, and then we can live in the farmhouse. Well, the sheep house was full, but the pig barn wasn't. <laughs> and uh, and the other thing is, and the funny one is, is that I'm allergic to hay and straw. So that is not real conducive to long term,
2: yeah,
3: yeah. long term sheep raising.
1: Yeah,
2: so, if, so those, if you, you could know, have been, been in a
3: club lamb
1: sheep. club lamb setting, we use a lot less uh, hay and straw.
2: <laughs> yeah
3: <laughs> yep. but then I then that's when I went to Michigan State and I tell you what that is probably truly when I caught the show pig bug and wanted to do it because Michigan State had just built that beautiful new facility up there and uh, where I lived was at the old farm uh, across from the pavilion and people that are have been up there to show from out of state or or up there, they understand that there's that, that pavilion there where they show everything. And I lived at the old farm and, uh, there was just a house and some research projects going on out there. And, uh, the new facility was beautiful and Al Snediger was, uh, running it. And I tell you what, I mean, I, you, you know, we talk about mentors and role models and, there were times I—I I, I don't know how many times I wanted to choke, slam, Sned, and I don't know how many times were that he thought he thought I was—he called me a jockey idiot. But there was a lot of both. But the thing I love about Sned, and I still—I kind of use this approach as I've finally grown up, because Sned used to always tell me it's about the people and this and that, and I thought he was an old fogey and. I've learned that over time he, he was so right. Um, it, it is about the people and then it's about the pigs. And, uh, he, he kind of taught me that cause he could chew your rear end and you could leave that facility the next day. Cause you know, you made a mistake. You need, I needed my rear end to cause I was probably being a dumb college kid. And then the next day or whatever day, if he saw, you could kind of come in. Whether it was, I don't know, you had a bad test, you're having trouble with the girlfriend, college stuff, he'd be the first one to put his arm around you. You'd be like, "Oh, will you okay? You want to talk about it? What's up? I can tell you're right, you know." And that was so comforting, being six to eight, you know, six seven hours from home, to have that, and 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 those. That's kind of how I approach things now. With, uh, uh, you know. Whether it's my own crew or some of these crews, you know, my, people I sell pigs to or whatever, um, that that approach has been way more conducive for long-term success than my again Bobby Knight style, maybe.
0: <laughs> well, you know, there's something to be said. Some of my mentors, uh, you know, most of them, and I needed some of those choke slams on me myself. You know, I needed a. <laughs> a stern talking to, or, Hey, you just messed up big time. Next time it's going to be, you know, one of those. And boy, I probably appreciate those as much now as more than any, uh, because I can now experience that and teach people the way that I was kind of taught. And, and before that, uh, somebody makes the same mistakes I did when I was still growing up, you know, you can use what your mentors have taught you. Uh, to move forward. But, you know, it's kind of a product of what you've been taught. It's a kind of a domino effect, really.
1: Well, there's, there's nothing like Dan Hoog ripping up some cards in front of you on the Barrow Show trip and telling you're an idiot (laughs) in front of everybody. And then Bob and his head to Nelly on the, on the next trip to uh, the next stop. So, you know, there's, uh, there's, there's definitely give and take with guys like that. And, uh, yeah, Uh, I, I thought we were going to get to some Sned talk, so I'm glad we did. What uh, Oh, what's like, a, like what's your one, forward of, forward. one of your best sned memories i'd love to know
3: oh <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's a couple my favorite memory that has to do with sned was i dressed up as him at halloween
2: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: and i took i don't i don't know if sned listens to the podcast and and i'm i'm not sure if he he does or not i don't know if he knows this story but uh there were some graduate students and PhD students having a party there at Michigan state, yeah, a small one, you know, um, and invited a few of us. And, and I, I took Sned's work clothes out of his locker at Michigan state <laughs> and, and the, the faculty had like, you know, I called them pickle suits cause they were all dark green, Michigan state colors, whatever. And I wore Sned's, his pants look like capri pants on me (laughs) (laughs) and his shirt was a little baggy and I I bought some cheap glasses. I didn't take his. I knew better than that. And just, I wore glasses like Smed and and his pants and shirt and his old school Michigan state swine hat. (laughs) And uh, yeah, that was a good one. The other one, (laughs) I got one more. There was probably 250 sows in there, and they were all, half of them were purebred registered Yorkshires. the other half were F1 York Landrace. I'm not sure how it happened, but there was one blue sow in that whole barn, one blue. And it was my senior year, so, you know, Snad and I kind of went through the hard times. And there was an assistant swine manager and stuff there at the facility and other students and that blue sow was coming in and Sned would leave us, you know, some of us guys that were more experienced would leave us a list of what to breed who to. And you followed that religiously. Well, that one blue sow, he had us to breed to the rock commercial semen. And I said, I'm not, we're not doing that, guys. And they're like, oh, yeah, we are. And I'm like, no, we're not. I said, we had this how long ago it was. We had a really good young Yorkshire boar in there that we were collecting. It was we called him Little Hitman because he was out of Hitman, and uh, I we we collected Little Hitman and I bred bred that blue sow to him. And uh, that assistant manager said, "You're signing." We had to sign off in the in the breeding sheet who did it. And I mean, I put that in there like John Hancock's signature on the Declaration. <laughs> the next day, I came to the facility and he. This is the, he never knew on Sned and he came up to me and I thought he, I knew I was, I was ready for it. I was ready to get chewed. And he came up and he kind of elbowed me and he goes, Bread that sound of the Duroc this morning. We'll see who wins. <laughs> 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 114 days later, I'll be damned if Sned didn't win. They were all freaking down here. So <laughs> oh, <what> a- <laughs> I didn't, I didn't get my way on that one. Oh, that's but it, that was funny. Um, but two talking about Michigan state and Corey, I know, you know, you guys, well, you guys both went to Blackhawk, right? Right. Yep. Well, when I got to, to Michigan state, you want to talk about, you know, we all joke and how smart college kids can be and, and stuff. And even to this day, but at Michigan state, when I was up there, I'll tell you what, it was quite a culture. I mean, uh, Brett Barber was running the cattle barn and, Nick Mock and Cody Louderman live there. And uh, Dr. George Good ran the sheep farm. Snediger and the pigs. And there was a PhD student there, Mark Hogue, a master's degree student there named Nick Berry. Um, myself, Daniel Hendrickson, Jason Beal, Megan Wheaton. I mean, it was... Never heard it of them. Quite, it was quite, yeah. <laughs> you want to talk about having some constructive arguments with smart college kids with that group of people. Uh, You know, none of us knew then where, where our roads were going to lead us, but it was a heck of a group of people to be around when I was there. Not only were they fun, they, they you know, they were, uh, I don't, you know, wanted to be successful.
2: Right. Well,
0: one of the questions I was going to ask you was, you know, Starting with absolutely zero reasons experience, which most 4-H and FFA kids, that's what scares them from judging livestock is they have to do reasons. Well, one of my questions was going to be, you know, how did you climb that mountain and become one of those evaluators that do major shows all over the country and go through the collegiate experience? But when you have people that you're surrounded by like that, that you can have educated conversations with and, hey, how should I talk this way? And does this sound more uh, educated in this or or whatever uh that makes sense how you could easily kind of bridge that gap if you will
3: yeah it um uh, what what got me through it because at lakeland um as far as the four big ones, I know I judged that I marked it denver on that may have been the only one and, and a lot of it had to do with reasons and stuff like that, but I got continually better and got more confidence at Lakeland. Um, I wish, you know, a John, again, started to, to kind of polish a little bit of a diamond in the rough, but uh, it was not – what gave me the confidence to get through it was when I, again, I was recruited to go there as a sheep kid, and – I I knew, as arrogant as this may sound, in junior college that nobody was going to beat me in sheep, okay? And there was not very many, not that I won every sheep contest, but I was very competitive at most. I mean, I have that much confidence in that part. Uh, and then when I got to Michigan State and it, more comfortable around pigs, and my coach there was Jeff Maffey that was an assistant under uh, Mark Johnson at Oklahoma State. And he was incredible in reasons, And his track record when he judged was very, very good. And I think between all towns is helping me with placing and just bringing me along. And then maphy being able to do the, the, the reasons thing and that being his thing and me becoming comfortable with pigs. And then when you start going into contests, I was just talking to somebody about this the other day. Somebody, you know, young person asked me something similar. I said, I eventually had the confidence that I'm going to survive cattle, and then I'm going to be tough to turn and, and sheep and pigs, and that's you know three quarters of the contest. But it it took a while. It it took a long while before I was I don't know ready, quote unquote ready for for a major. But I think those opportunities judging at, at, at the collegiate level, and then I I took every darn county fair from that asked me or jackpot or whatever and I i mean I can remember judging in Ohio at nine ten o'clock I don't know if it was Champaign County Shelby County somewhere over there and then i had to turn around drove all the way back got home mid-morning had to judge here in Illinois I mean legitimately paying your dues you know that's how, I guess how I look at it
0: yep yep yeah there's got to well, be a time yeah. where you you take all those small ones just to get repetition I mean that's just what it's there for?
1: Yeah, we uh, Trevor and I we talked early on in the show, you know, kind of when we first started this deal about, you know, we feel like there's some some qualified younger judges or qualified, you know, early 30s guys that maybe aren't getting the big shows that they should be or could be, and it gets frustrating. But then you know, you sit back and and you look at how long some people had to wait before they got their break, and then when they did, they did them all if they, you know, if they did a nice job and treated kids right, you know, uh, all those things do happen, but it really is kind of the work you put in and the, the road to take, to get there that I guess um, in hindsight, looking back a little, little over a year ago, I maybe was just a little bit, I wouldn't say blinded, but maybe frustrated uh, with, but you know, then you talk to these guys that have kind of gone through it. They, you know, the memories of, like you said, driving through the night to get back to judge another show the next day, because you're stacking up county fairs on top of each other. You know, those are things that make you better in the in the big ring.
3: Yeah, I, I, I and it's it's weird because you start to kind of work yourself up, and and I'm not sure what all I can't tell you what all I judged before, um, but it's it's weird when you see people get on a run, you know. And I've been Corey, I've been in your shoes, probably Trevor's and, and people listen to this that are in their late twenties and early thirties and, and feel like they're ready. Um and waiting for the opportunity. I've I've been there, I've been there, done that, felt that and it and it, it is it's hard, it's frustrating and um but at the same time you don't wanna wait off into them waters until you're darn sure you are ready, or it'll be the last time you step foot
2: there. Um mm. uh, and I
3: always joke with people, I don't know what happened sometime in 2011, uh, going into 2012. I got real smart in the national perspective and and become, and I did, I did Denver, San Antonio, Oklahoma City in a three-month span.
1: <laughs> yeah.
3: And I did Expo, uh, something at Expo that summer. I don't remember what it was. I don't know if it was CP something. And uh, it got to the point where I I turned down a few because I'm like, there's some of these families that could potentially be showing to me for like the third or if not fourth time. And the ones that have done well are going to be all for it. And then the ones that haven't aren't, you know, they're just going to either not show, which I don't want that for the show, or they're just going to continue to be discouraged with me. And that's, I mean, that's fine. It's part of judging, but you, you got to get to a point where maybe we, I had to pull back the reins a little bit for lack of a better term.
2: Right. Um,
1: Huh. yeah that's that's uh it's a good point i never really kind of thought of it that way but i'm sure at some point you know you can't <laughs> it plus, plus you want your own hogs to go show and try to win something too um yeah and and that battle i i, I would guess is kind of hard uh just because you want those big ones but at the same time you want to you want to try to win them too hey question for you do you want a percentage off of your very first custom logo and or design by Tarbell marketing and design Trevor.
0: Oh yes, but I'm not a new customer, unfortunately.
1: Well, to be a new customer, what's that mean? That means you need to get a hold of Jace Tarbell at Tarbell marketing and design. Look him out. uh, uh, Look him up on uh, Facebook on Instagram. Really cool. Instagram, by the way, I'm not much of an Instagrammer, but, uh, I do know that they have a good Instagram account. I will say, if you are interested in getting leading industry marketing advice, a logo, design work, please use the best. Use Jace Tarbell at Tarbell Marketing and Design. Mention that you heard a stock talk ad read and get 15% off. I
0: just got a Snapchat.
1: Hi, Jace. Hi, Jace. All right. Bye Jace. Thanks for being on the show. So that kind of brings me to another, another question is, um, you know, this year we all know, I mean, we've lost the first half of this year showing, showing livestock, um, across the country. Um, but you know, as as we kind of evaluate the second half of this year, um, and you're some of the, things we can do as an industry to kind of help maybe make up for uh for some loss and disappointment as we kind of transition out of this pandemic or plandemic as my father in law likes to say. <laughs>
3: uh, yes, I mean this is something that that we can all that that I mean my grandmother is eighty years old and I I ask her point blank there. Have you ever seen anything like this? I mean, this is something that we are all experiencing that can tell our kids, grandkids, whatever. I mean, we'll talk about 2020 and we'll talk about COVID-19. And and uh, it's been something that you can't prepare for. I mean, I think that the livestock world and, and has done a good job. Um, it became a struggle... You know, to sell that second half of pigs in the spring. You know, for me, I, people were scared, and that's understandable. And uh, you don't know you don't know what to tell them. You know, you want to sell them pigs, but you can't guarantee anything. But as a, as an industry as a whole, uh, I think the best thing that we can do is. Keep moving forward and, and try to get out there as soon as possible. You know you want to be safe. Um, uh, you want to get out there as soon as you can. But uh, and the other thing is, I whether you like it or not, and this just come up, you know, come up with Ohio. I I think the livestock leaders or, or industry leaders in each state, you're going to have to have a backup plan about one A through about probably one E or F I mean it's going Mm -hmm. but I mean I felt good I mean I didn't feel good that Ohio was canceled but seeing that come out just a few hours later I mean I hope if that continues to happen through the Midwest that you can still give these these kids a place to show stock and make it as similar to our state fair as we can now on the opposite end you see a lot of this cussing and discussing well I can't believe they canceled the state fair. It's you got to take a step back, and it's not all about the state fairs. Not all about the livestock deal. If it was just mm-hmm. about the livestock deal, we wouldn't be having this problem. You got to think about the the half million to a million people that go through that gate. Mm-hmm. That that's the problem. I mean, they're not canceling it because of a livestock show. They're canceling it because how do you limit the gate? You know what I mean. I, I,
0: Right. It becomes a liability issue with with, I mean, that's what it boils down to money and liability of that many people. And most of these state fairgrounds are in a hot spot of where COVID has taken place. And like Columbus itself is uh, right in Columbus uh, of a part where is a hotbed and with people going in and out of that gate right off the street. That's a tough water to navigate. you know, I'm disappointed as anybody that uh, there won't be a state fair this year, but I do know the people that have a plan B through, like you said, all the way through F and uh, they're willing to do everything they can to make this happen. I'm just disappointed that it's happened. This decision has happened so soon.
3: Yeah. And I, I don't get that. Some I, I, that, and I think that stinks when you get a little slap happy on doing that. And, um, you know, I, whether it was a month, you know, cancel in Ohio when they canceled it or, or whether they canceled your local fireworks a month ago for the 4th of July, you're just like, why now?
2: Right. I mean, leave yeah.
3: Me, give me false hope. Give me some <laughs> hope. Give me something. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I just don't get i feel like some of that's just trying to a uh, fear monger and catch headlines
1: hmm. yeah that's uh, man i i'm i don't know i i get uh, when i think about the future of this thing and and how we're gonna how how do you make you, you can't i don't i don't know like jar i thought this was an interesting question because how can you make up for for a year of of
0: loss and disappointment, you
1: don't, you know, you, don't.
0: you just got to move past it. I guess that's what, that's where I'm at. Um, I think that what, what, when I wrote this question that, I mean, I've been think, doing a lot of thinking these past couple months and more than anything, I mean, we're going to be years before we financially recover, but more than anything, we're, we've got to appreciate what we have because I think at some point we were a little spoiled of how well The numbers were and everything was kind of all firing on all cylinders in the livestock industry to some degree. And, uh, you know, it just kind of smacks you right in the face. Then you appreciate the little things a little bit more. We talked about last week, Corey, about, you know, if you're not going to go to a livestock show because it doesn't pay out a thousand dollars this this time of year, we got to rethink what we're doing. If, uh, if you're not going because there's no banners to be had because the money's not there anymore, what was your point showing livestock in the first place? You know, I, all those questions come into my head. We got to reevaluate what really means, what means something to us now, uh, in a time where we're just dying to have a livestock show somewhere, uh, where last year we had the choice of this one's paying a thousand. Let's go there instead of this one that pays 500, um, so that's just one of my thoughts among many, uh, you know, we, we to appreciate what we had, uh, compared to this year.
3: I I think that, um, uh, I think that's happening. I think it's already happened. And, and if, you know, if you want to look for silver lining and things, uh, I think people will be a little more appreciative of, of you know, the people that run the shows and, <coughs> excuse me, put on the shows and, um, uh, And, again, maybe, again, at home, a little more time with family, a little more time playing outside, maybe playing an old-school board game, something like that. Yep. I mean, that's stuff that we've done here. And and when it's nice out, it does make my heart happy when I go to town and and you see more kids playing outside. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: I mean, I think – I do think that there will be things learned from this, like all things. I mean, um, there, there are going to be lessons learned.
1: Yeah. So from a, from a producer standpoint, I mean, and and I know it affected everybody differently, different selling seasons and all that kind of stuff, but I mean, this is your livelihood and I guess we haven't really talked much about this. I mean, Trevor and I kind of gave our own perspectives. Selling sheep was a little different and and on the scale we do it on, you know, maybe we have some, some that we could have sold that didn't get sold because of people getting nervous and you know, there's only a certain window that you could sell these things. And, um, but you know, from your standpoint, you know, obviously I would think you just got to keep moving forward, but from, from a producer's outlook, what's, you know, what's this going to do for you in the future as far as, you know, that plan a through F or whatever.
3: I mean, I think, uh, from, from my perspective, I mean, I've had a few people ask me, what are you doing? You breeding your cows?" I'm like, what other option do I have? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I think I, I'll, if anybody told you different that does this for a living, whether it, it whatever species it is, it, it scares you to death. Cause it's going to, it could take away what it could take away your livelihood. It could take away your, your passion. Well, you know, uh, i i joke with these you know the couple of the guys that work for me i said you know they ask they they will ask me the obvious of what half what if you know what if insert and, and we started talking about this with you know uh stuff the african what african
1: yeah icon. asf yeah i was gonna ask if, if this is a bigger deal to you than asf was
3: well asf got it going through my mind um and, and what if, and, and then with this coming, you know, with, with the pandemic now, what if the bottom line of it is, if it gets here, you know, like ASF, I got a front row seat on the Titanic. <laughs> There's no other way. And then I, I tell him, I, I got a front row seat on the Titanic and, and then me and my banker are going to share some verbiage and adjectives that I'm not used to talking about. <laughs> Because right. I don't know, right. what, I don't know what the answer is. You know what I mean? It's it. It's it, it, it just what, it's what you got to do. But again, people, I was, I was shocked the amount of people, the handful of people that I would talk to or or would call me and say, "Hey, what are you doing? Are you bringing sounds? Yeah. Well, absolutely. Right. I mean, again, what other option do I have?
2: Mm-hmm. Hmm.
0: That's intriguing thought. I mean, it's it's a scary deal, regardless, and. You know, that I I truly think, you know, that there's been a lot of pandemics. No, I shouldn't say a lot of pandemic. There's been viruses in the past that thankfully we have a vaccine for now. And, boy, I pray that that happens uh, just to get get something out there that we can move past this deal. But um, I want to move on to a segment that I uh, am very interested to hear about. because It's not going to be an easy topic, uh, but the segment we call it the breakdown. Breakdown brought to you by Brad Hall Ford, located in Kokomo,
1: Indiana. Brad Hall Ford, Kokomo, Indiana. Uh, Brad Hall Ford, Kokomo, Indiana. Uh, good folks over there, um, Baxter. I hope the uh, house building project's going well. Uh, my wife and I actually are going to look um, this weekend. Oh, at some house uh, building project ideas. So that's exciting. Um. Yeah, Trevor. I'll let you lead into this this breakdown discussion. It's uh, I think it's going to be a good one.
0: Yeah. So off air through text messages, uh, Brandon and I kind of brought this up, and I'm just going to leave it pretty open ended. Um, but we want to talk about anxiety and do we put too much pressure on kids in the livestock industry? You hear Dan Hoke talk all about we want to use this industry to raise our kids, not the kids to raise our livestock. So let's bring it up. Let's break it down. Anxiety.
3: Not just, not just anxiety. I think mental health as a whole guys, um, it, it, it's a subject that's become, it's become a more commonplace and a little more comfortable to talk about. And I, I think that, um, it's something that, uh, a lot of people just kind of, live in the shadows of it and don't want to talk about it and it's a shame to me um you know that that a person can talk about going to the doctor or or, you know physician or whatever but when it comes to talking you know about like mental health or psychiatrist or stuff like that it's such a tiptoe subject
2: Mm
3: -hmm. Uh, um it's just like it's like it it it's a shameful subject and Uh, That's something that I think that we need to continue to change. Um, And as far as like the livestock go. And you see all sorts of different show parents and stuff like that. And, and I'll be, I'll, I'll admit that with, with time and age that I've, I've mellowed, but the, uh, the, uh, I think the, the anxiety of maybe going to a show or showing live stuff. there's good and bad, a bad anxiety, those butterflies and excitement and stuff that you have to go into the ring. That's, that's, that's good anxiety. Um, and then there's other that gets to people. And this is something that, that I feel like this is worth my time to, to be on this podcast. It's something that, that, um, not ever people don't know maybe about me and we've joked around. We talked about the pandemic and stuff. I have been practicing social distancing guys for roughly 20 years. I mean, I've been ready for this. (laughs) The the local Casey's is open and the local Kroger's open. It does not affect my social life much. But when it comes to the anxiety and and things, I think a lot of these uh, young people, Young people and social media—they've got to realize there's no filters in real life. And I just feel like, even as as adults, that that just the kids get on there, and it's unrealistic expectations that they put on themselves. And and I can get. Okay, I know it's trendy. I mean, I guess I, I, the word trendy, it's trendy to have something, you know, anxiety, ADD, whatever, uh, companion animal. Um, so, and some of that stuff gets taken way too far. And I think that's what maybe makes light of the situation at times. But I'll be th- something again that, that I've not. Talk to many people about i've had anxiety since i was about 18 19 years old and it's weird how it works because i got nervous about this interview i can get nervous about going to walmart but you can put me out there i mean you guys were there at indiana put me out there in indiana in front of that coliseum and I can't remember how many thousands of people were watching online in foreign countries. That does not phase me an ounce. I, do. I don't I do know if it's like my happy Gilmore happy place. I don't know. But that, I mean, that don't bother me, but you're also talking to a guy that can do that at a major stock show, San Antonio, Houston, whatever. I've done them. But also a guy that will leave his cart half full at Walmart and just walk out because I, I don't like, i just not comfortable. And as I've gotten older, I've got past stuff like that, but I still kind of probably lead a sheltered life. I mean, I just, I don't, I don't need, I don't, I'm not a big crowd guy. I, I'm I'm not a big leave home guy. I mean, my happiest times here. I mean, I, I tell, tell some of those guys and kids and interns and stuff. I said, I've, I've built a place I don't want to take a vacation from, (laughs) but it is a, uh, Uh, something that I guess I've become a little more outspoken about with, with people that know me and whatnot, uh, the last few years, because I reached out to somebody that I knew was struggling. And after they got over some things, they called and thanked me. And once I knew, you know, if I can help one person, it's totally worth it. Um, and, and, uh, And it continues, I guess, to, I don't know. We, it could, I could go on a tangent on the whole social media thing. I think that's a lot of it. But, I mean, I know there's some good there, and I don't post much, but I post on there when we're having a sale, so I don't want to sound like a hypocrite, but I think just people get on there and they don't post the crappy stuff, guys. Yep. <laughs> I mean, they post the pictures of the sows that had 10 out and 10 up and they don't post the ones that you cut out the side and drug out the front door.
1: Well, and, and I feel like I can say this just because, you know, uh, you know, in in the, in the show stock industry, it was really brought to light recently. Um, You know, Maddie Caldwell's Facebook post was so powerful. And, and I know she wasn't doing that to create, uh, attention towards her, but towards, you know, the conversation of mental health and, and in our, in our show stock industry, there's a lot of pressure. It gets put on, on people in different ways. And, you know, some people feel validated if, you know, they get a bunch of people that like their social media posts or whatever that is. And there's, there's also people out there, um, that don't care about that kind of stuff, but in other ways they feel pressure, um, coming down on them or, or they, you know, just feel like, you know, there, there's different, different mental health issues that people battle all the time. Um, you know, it's, it's just something I think that we, we should talk about because like you said, if, if one person can hear this message and say, Hey, I can reach out to those guys. And, and talk to them like, that's, that's all I'm after here. Uh, and I yeah, think. Yeah.
3: Or just to hear somebody else that has the same, that feels the same way as you do. Right. Um, and, and you mentioned Maddie and, and I talked to Maddie and, and, and before this interview and I, I wanted to let her know that, that this was probably going to come up. And I said, I'm going to, I will name drop you if that's okay. And and she said, yes, absolutely. I mean. And that's just—I mean, you know—I've been close to that family, and that—that—that that, that girl, she's like a little sister to me. And I mean, absolutely broke my heart, you know. And and, and you just don't—you don't know. I mean, it's just like Will. Will sit at Denver. You don't know. You do not know what somebody else is going through. Mm-hmm. Everybody has a bad day, and if somebody isn't chit-chatty or, you know, kind of walks by and don't talk that don't necessarily mean that they're being a jerk to you, you know, just they may not feel good or, or things may, may not be right. But, you know, you look at Maddie and she's successful and, uh, doing things the right way and, and comes from a good family and, and then she feels that way. And I think she, I don't think I know she felt like a burden to her family because she just didn't feel good, you know, or feel Mm -hmm. right. And, and that's when, when, when she put that Facebook post up, just like you said, Corey, she asked me, she said, do you think it's too much or should I do it or whatever? And I said, you need to do it when you're ready. And, but again, if, if somebody low life wants to make fun of you or judge you or whatever, but think about it on the other end, one person, Maddie, Mm -hmm. one person. If if that helps one person, then it was worth it.
0: Yep. Yeah. And the low life, I would like to touch on that. They don't deserve any attention, but you know, if you get real mad at a show or, you know, you see somebody that's just painting on a face, but you know, maybe things aren't quite the way they, they should be just be nice Uh, again to reference will at Denver, uh, that's a very simple phrase, but you don't have to love everybody, but you certainly don't have to hate anybody. Uh, no, we don't know. Or, or, we don't or know if what's you don't going like on.
1: somebody or don't agree with them. Just go about your business.
0: Yeah, don't even don't even have exactly. to talk to them. Uh, but there, there's just you don't. You're exactly right. You do not know, and boy, th- why can't we just? Put a smile on somebody's face and just be positive. I mean, I know we say this 10,000 times an episode, it seems, Corey. But, man, if uh, if you have problems, I know just uh, you. There's find that person you can talk to. And maybe you don't know who that is. And I'm not a counselor professional, but, boy, there's somebody that can help you. If you think there's a, a low point in your life, there is somebody out there that can help you. Um, and that, that post was very powerful. Uh, That Matty did. Yeah.
3: Whether it's family, a friend or a professional, somebody can help.
0: Yep. No doubt. It's
3: just, you know, sad that, you know, people get to the point where, you know, and my anxiety is never, and I've outgrown that, you know, um, I'm actually pretty good. I mean, I'm still a weirdo, but uh, I don't, I don't fight it like I used to fight it. And with time, I think most people learn how to adjust to things. Uh, but I think I just, to think that someone thinks that, 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 that is the, you know, when you get to that point that you feel like you don't have anybody to go to or, or, or someone that to lean to, or you just, you just feel like an outcast. I just, that's, that's what hurts me. I mean, and again, I think a lot of it has to do with, sunshine and rainbows i mean mm-hmm. sunshine and rainbows and filters and unicorns <coughs> <coughs> they don't
1: know how to adjust yeah the uh I, I i don't know it man it's 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 tough to talk about i guess to an extent in this setting you know because i i think about my own personal struggle And, and things that, you know, mistakes I've made, things that have kind of sent me in a, in a bad spiral before. And, and, you know, it does happen. And I think you're right, Brandon, like sometimes maybe it feels a little shameful to talk about, or you're embarrassed by it or um, those sorts of things. But, you know, you can pull yourself out of stuff as long as you got, you know, just be there for somebody. Um, you know, I had friends reach out to me and, and people close to me uh, during a time that I was struggling. Um, you know that that pulled me out from being um, in a bad place, and so I think just being open and, and conscious of your surroundings too. You know this this stock show industry is very much a social gathering uh, when it's not obviously we show on computer screens, but you know when it when we're out together and and you know you see somebody you're friends with or somebody you know that maybe aren't acting acting themselves just go out of your way to make sure they're all right just say hey share a laugh with somebody um you know it's it's something that and for those
3: people struggling that means a lot you know an arm around the back of how are you doing or what's up and that means a whole bunch, and it's a simple gesture that don't cost, like we'll say, you know, don't don't, don't cost anything. It ain't hard to do.
1: Yep. Well, and it's and it's not like you got to be, you know, all all sad about it, or or you know, be so concerning that they feel like they're a burden. You know, go yeah. up and crack a joke with them. Put your arm around them. Say, "Hey, man, I missed you," or "Hope you're doing good." Been thinking about you. Just stuff like that. You know you don't need to be make, make the topic sad. Everybody has their own way of going about stuff, I guess, but um, you know, and those social settings don't make it awkward. Just make sure that you're keeping up with people that maybe you haven't talked to in a little while, or maybe you're acting a little different because there could be something going on. You don't know. could be nothing. They could just be, Hung over, having a bad day. I don't know.
2: <laughs> but
1: on a
3: positive note, talking about the stock show family that's truly a stock show family. I mean, that when when Maddie posted that on Facebook about a day or two later, I texted her and talked to her and I said, Look at your team. Look at mm-hmm. look at the amount of people behind you that you matter to. I mean the next time, if it, hopefully you don't ever go to that place again, but if you do think about that, the amount of people that are behind you, because the, the stock show, our, our stock show family is a strong, is a group that always regardless of whether it's this or, you know, a fire or somebody's sick or whatever, we have a tendency to rally behind one another. And, and that's, that doesn't need to get lost. And, you know, not, you know, we're not negative Nancy's here, but it is a strong support group that you can have behind you.
0: No doubt.
1: Absolutely.
3: Well, off the record, the next time I go to a restaurant or an airport or a plane and there is a uh, super aggressive support dog. I'm gonna follow the paperwork for uh, support bees.
1: Support bees. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I want to support swarm of bees to to keep people away from me and their over aggressive dogs that they don't need.
1: Uh, I feel like <laughs> there could be some sort of a portable beekeeping uh, carry on suitcase that you can have.
3: I think I could blend a mask over over the beekeeping suit at this point in time. I don't think it would get judged right now. <laughs> no, right now, yeah,
1: that's perfect time to test the waters. <laughs> uh, Trevor stuck me with the last question, which I probably deserve because I stick with it all the time. Uh, just because it, it is a tough one to answer just because you think about how many things uh, a person goes through in their journey of the stock show industry. But, um, our last question for you, Ogle is what are some of the biggest lessons you've learned while being involved in the show stock industry?
3: Oh, this is a good question. And I enjoy listening to all the people that are on here that, uh, have different answers and to this question and you get all different kinds, but, uh, there's some of them that stick with you, um, with time and, and one of them, and, and this is good because we, this is a, a good interview that we can, uh, or a podcast that we can maybe w- work this in one way or the other. But one of my first ones that I learned was price only determines ownership.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: mm-hmm. And that was something that I, and I can't tell you to told me that, but And this is a story I'm going to tell a quick story. This is a story that I told to a a few groups of, like, younger guys about your age, you know, mid-20s. And it's fascinating uh, to lead up to what could possibly be the most dominant Duroc sire of all time, Buck Cherry. I I call it the Buck Cherry story. We showed it, we were showing in the ICPA, I don't know what year it was. We kept getting beat by Guilt. That was about half the time we got beat by her, and she was good. She went down to Louisville. She's a little past her prime, you know, stood about fifth, sixth in class, and I bought her for 350 bucks. Bred her to Hands Down, which was a Drake boar that was champion at Louisville that year that Prairie State bought when I was there. And that was the first year that I ever had, like, an open house or whatever sale there at, at, at my old farm. And uh, Blaine Olson was late getting there, him and Ellen. And uh, he liked a bear and a gilt in the litter that didn't sell. And I sold him the pair for about five or $600. Ellen showed her that summer. She did a good job. And then he bred her to a boar called Can't Deny It. Mark Feld that was champion at louisville the next year
2: and uh when i
3: was at prairie state i'd go out i made a conscious effort that was when we were guaranteeing some money and stuff at that that baby pig sale and i went to blaine's and i saw this this pig here that uh, this can't deny it out of that south for me and i said bring him the sale he goes well i don't know if i want to bring him sale." i said I'll get, I'll make him bring a thousand dollars as a baby pig. And he said, all right, I'll bring him, you know, handshake deal. I'll make sure he brings a thousand. He was reserved to rock in the sift, lived up to our word. We ran herself to a thousand dollars and, uh, uh, that was Buck Cherry. <laughs> so a $350 Sal made another two 50 or $350 guilt that Blaine bled bread to that boar and make buck cherry and he got beaten a sift by a, a little boar called can't touch this those were the, the top two boars at the Prairie State of Customer Appreciation Sale uh, <laughs> can't touch this and buck cherry something else and, and we had to run our own bid to make them both bring a thousand to live up to our words
2: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. but it was uh,
3: awesome and, and those two boars were good and did a great job and kind of put help put Blaine and I both on the map, you know, talking about being competitors and stuff, stuff we talked about earlier, but, uh, that that's the first one. Um, the other one is, uh, you talked. we talked about how I got to judge shows and stuff like this. And I think when I started and nobody knew who I was, um, when I, when I got lucky and, and, uh, I interviewed for the sales job at Prairie State when I got out of Michigan State, and I'd come home. Really, didn't have a plan except I came home and I didn't get the job. And, and Fisher John, uh, you know, he asked me. He said, uh, "If you want to work until he can start, he can't start until July something. If you want to, if you want to work, um, we'd love to have." Him. I'm thinking my experience, my age showed, and I'm like, no, nah, I ain't doing that. I didn't get the job. I ain't doing that. And after about a week of unemployment, my dad saying he may want to try to figure something out. I told him, I, I called him back, and I said, if you'll have me, I'll, I'll come up there and work so you don't need me until the other guy gets there. And I did that, and my first six to eight weeks at Prairie State, and I, I was there for 10 years. My first six to eight weeks at Prairie State were uh, pumping, pumping uh, liquid manure, cleaning pens, feeding boars. I mean, everything you know, basic stuff. And he, John took me to Expo, and we had fun, and we picked out some good boars, and took me to. He asked me to go to Louisville, and then I started to think I may have a chance. And then he told me there, he's like, "Hey, we're going to figure out a way to keep you on full time too," and and that turned out to be a, a very, very good deal for, for both of us. But uh, when I started in sales that fall, I felt like it was a little different. You know, you normally, when somebody calls and says, "I, you know, here's my sal. what do I need to do? This is a boar I want. And I felt like I was a little bit different than, than everybody else at that time, that I was like, I wouldn't breed her to that. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's going to work. Let's do this. And it was 90% plus receptive of people just, they like somebody being honest with them. And I guess that's what, that was like, that's my next point. I mean, just be honest, be approachable, be reachable. And um, the last one is one that I will never, ever, ever forget. Uh, I heard Clay talk about this. You hear other people talking about, this, like, certain classes in college. Uh, Michigan State had a class called Merchandising Purebred Livestock. It was, like, a two-credit class, met once a week for a couple hours. And But they brought in, like, industry leaders. And I can remember, like, the pig guys, I can remember the pig guys. Like, Grebner came, HP Kane, Keith Lambright came. And I can remember Keith Lambright and Snediger up there in front of the group. And even at that time, I mean, we, we know that, that our business is probably a little flooded, but back then, I mean, rewind 18 years and Lambright and Snediger talked about you have got to take care of your customers or someone else will. Mm. And that's something I still use when some random person calls me that I've never done business with and we're trying to build uh, a relationship. I tell them, I'm like, believe me if you want, but I do this for a living. I don't want to take your money one year. I want to take your money through your four h career (laughs) or your FFA career. I want to take your money for the next 10 years. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to take your 500, 1500 or whatever it is. And, and send you a, a, a turd. I wanna I legitimately wanna know what you need, what you want, and then we're gonna go from there. And and I don't I don't I'm not hard up enough that I just wanna take your money now and, and rip you off. I just I wanna build a relationship and and keep that going and, and that advice from, from Snediger and Lambride is something that that I haven't forgotten never will. Because if you don't take care of somebody, there's plenty of other people out there selling livestock that will.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, that's good Ooh. stuff. Love it. Man, we appreciate you coming on. It's been a very in-depth conversation that uh, I think is much needed. And, um, man, I hope uh, somebody can really tune in and uh, feel free to reach out to us. We can definitely forward any messages to Brandon. If you uh, if you like this episode, be sure to reach out to us on all of our social media platforms. But, man, we really appreciate your time, and uh, we'll let you get back at it there. And good luck the rest of the summer.
3: Hey, thanks a bunch, guys, for having me on. I enjoy it.
0: You bet. We'll catch you later. I enjoyed uh, his company. I, each show, I mean, he's always a good time. And it's interesting to hear these guys' past. I mean, he said right. sometimes he's had to walk out of Walmart with his cart half full because his anxiety would take over. And um, you'd never know that now. Uh, just kind of grew out of it. And what? Uh, man, oh, man. Good stuff.
1: Man. Well, and there's there's still parts of the Brandon Ogle story that that haven't even been told, you know. Uh you can only cover so much in a certain amount of time and right. and I think uh certainly somebody that uh, if you're a young show pig enthusiast or, or livestock enthusiast in general, uh take it for Brandon in the fact that you don't have to grow up in this deal um doing doing something that you're you know passionate about now. Um, you know Brandon, you heard it. I mean, his show pig background was non-existent until he got to junior college. Right. So pretty cool story. Um, Also would like to point out that Ogle is one of the more entertaining people to be around at a live show pig sale, especially if it's his own. Because, I mean, you want to talk about a guy that gets real amped up Uh at, at a show pig sale. Uh it's awesome. But no, good stuff. Um I'm pumped for next week also.
0: Yeah, who we got on? Let's share that information.
1: Um couple gentlemen out of the state of Oklahoma. Um maybe maybe you've heard of them. Todd and Blake Kennedy. Oh. Yeah, Kennedy Ventures, those guys. Yeah. Um That'll real excited idea. about that one. There's with with the exchange. Still being on schedule like it is, and some other stuff uh, happening. That is that is something I'm I'm just real excited for that conversation. Yeah,
0: yeah we're we're gonna talk more about that. But I think uh, the more information we get about that deal, the more exciting it becomes. It's always a good event, and they figured out a very cool way to pull it off. Uh, if you go mm-hmm. to Blake's Facebook page um, and the exchange share some of that information so speaking of sharing information folks make sure you check our website out that's the place where everything happens stocktalk-podcast.com and of course on all of our social media platforms no we still don't have a tiktok video uploaded yet we have the account made but you know we're just not tiktok yeah so anyways uh we've got the kennedys on next week and please uh on a more serious note if you're one of those folks where this episode hits you a little harder when we got to talking about the breakdown, uh, reach out. You know, we're a listening ear. Uh, we're not professionals, but we are certainly an ear to listen to if uh, you feel the need. So we're there to help if you need it. Guys, we truly appreciate you week in and week out. There's only seven more days until you hear us again. We'll see you then.